and welcome back to Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, the Bundesliga podcast covering everything there is to know about Eintracht Frankfurt in the English language. The best club in the Bundesliga, the best club in Germany, the best club in Europe, the best club in the world for that matter, but we're a little bit biased. We have a bonus podcast that we come out with these from time to time. You can get in contact with the show that is at HEFpod on Twitter, uh, facebook.com slash HEFpod for all your English language Eintracht Frankfurt-based news. I'm your host, Brian Sanders, at KCSGE is where you can follow me there. But today, we have a gentleman who has been covering the Bundesliga for quite a few years. You might recognize him from his voice from the Bundesliga world feed in addition to the production done by Fox Soccer as they cover the Bundesliga. It is the Scottish announcer, Derek Ray. Derek, thank you for coming on to the show. Always a pleasure, Brian. Always a pleasure to talk about all things Eintracht. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so, uh, kind of to get off uh, to a good start, Eintracht Frankfurt 1-0 over FC Nuremberg. Granted, a little bit of tired legs, despite the fact that they had some good uh, squad rotation going on for this one. But your uh, what what did you make of your uh, time out there at the Waldstadion following the Eintracht today, uh, just the other day? Well, I enjoyed it, first of all. I think it's always important to say that. And as a commentator, you go to matches with a different experience in comparison uh, with that of a fan. And that's why every so often I like to go to the stadium pay my money and just watch as a fan. And that's what I did in the Eintracht Nuremberg game. Um, I thought the atmosphere was good, as it usually is. I, I tend to tell people that if you want to find an underrated atmosphere, then go to the Commerzbank Arena, go and watch Eintracht Frankfurt at home, and you won't be disappointed. But in terms of the game, uh, it wasn't a classic, but uh, Frankfurt were very much in control of it. I thought in particular Philip Kostic, had the run of the show on that left-hand side and gave poor Robert Bauer of Nuremberg nightmares, which I think he'll be having for the rest of the week. Um, it probably should have been more than 1-0. Uh, good to see Martin Hinteregger score the goal. I think he's been remarkably consistent these last few matches. And all in all, uh, a job well done, uh, just coming on the heels of that terrific result against Inter in the Europa League. And Eintracht Frankfurt, you've got to say, are one of the stories of the second half of the Bundesliga season. Indeed, Eintracht has been one of the few teams to have stayed unbeaten during the course of the Rukrunda season in the Bundesliga. Um, one thing that a lot of Bundesliga clubs have done as they have been involved in the Europa League, and we'll kind of go over some of the failures of them. So you've had your Freiburgs, your Mainz, your Colognes, where... They get involved in the Europa League, and I would say down to the fact that the Europa League is not as cash-rewarding as uh, the its uh, bigger brother, the Champions League, a lot of Bundesliga clubs tend to struggle in terms of finding that collective competitive balance between you know your league format, the Bundesliga, and your competition in Europe, the Europa League. What do you th is there something in it that uh, Eintracht has maybe found that winning formula that would be allow a German team for the first time since the new format was created to possibly make the final? I think you know the question you've just posed is one that everybody in German football is wrestling with. And I say that because I picked up Kicker magazine, as I always do on, on a Monday, whether I'm in Germany or not. And one of the topics discussed there is 
what Frankfurt have done uh, and what German teams haven't done in Europe this season. And, you know, is this the blueprint? Is there some sort of blueprint there that other teams can copy? I'm not sure that there is in an obvious sense. I mean, quite clearly, Eintracht Frankfurt have embraced the Europa League, but I wouldn't say that teams in the last few years haven't embraced it. I think it's just been circumstances. I think the Bundesliga is an exacting league. I think it's very difficult to go Sunday, Thursday, or um, uh, or, or in some cases uh, Monday matches involved as well now with the current format. But I think that in Adi Huta, they have somebody who uh, knows that European football is important, who has brought this freewheeling, swashbuckling style to Eintracht, which is such a far cry from what we saw before, um, certainly under Nico Kovac. It wasn't nearly as eye-catching. And I think he's used his resource as well. I think that they are very well off in most positions. I think they can rotate in a way that maybe other German teams haven't in the recent past. But I'd be lying if I said that there's an absolute answer to that question, that here's what Frankfurt have done and here's what uh, Freiburg and Hoffenheim and others in the past haven't done. I, I think it's just been a matter of circumstances, but I'm certainly not complaining about it. Indeed. Uh, I mean, because I'm trying, it's not like as though they have been thrown against uh, some of the, uh, some, uh, I would say smaller uh, teams that usually are able to make it into the uh, knockout phase of the Europa League, considering the fact that it is a 32-team competition at that point. Eintracht has been going up against Champions League pedigree and once again will be taking on Benfica. Um, what do you... I mean, is this something that to you says that the Eintracht Frankfurt that you've seen over the course of the season is a team that can kind of play up with the big the big dogs and should you know uh should things hold up and Eintracht as a team is able to stick together if a top four place is secured that Eintracht Frankfurt will be able to translate their success that they've had in the Bundesliga and the Europa League this season into perhaps some uh, modest success uh in their maiden season in the cha- in the Champions League format I don't see why not, to be honest. I mean, when you assess the size of the club, and I've always thought of Eintracht Frankfurt as a huge club. Um, a lot of it is you know, location. A lot of it is, uh, you know, uh, myself, really, going back to my first memory of the Bundesliga in 1985 and, and being at the Waldstadion. That was my first ever game against Bayer Uerdingen, a 1-1 draw. Uh, but, you know, taking myself out of it, I, I mean, objectively, Eintracht Frankfurt are a very big club. And I think a punch below their weight uh, for the most part, not just in recent years, but going back over recent decades. You know, I think that's probably fair comment. Mm-hmm. So if a team like Frankfurt gets into the Champions League, then you start to think to yourself, OK, is this something that they could expect year in, year out? That's difficult because even for the regulars from German football in the Champions League, uh, it's not been, you know, with regularity every single year. There's been some chopping and changing. One year it's been Leverkusen. Another year it's been Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, Hoffenheim getting their chance at it. Uh, so you never quite know how that's going to fall. But I, I do think that they're in a very good shape uh, at the moment. And I think that from top to bottom, the club is is very well run. I was at a very interesting discussion, actually moderated an interesting discussion at the start of the season and one of the participants here in Germany, actually in Frankfurt, was Axel Hellmann uh, from the Eintracht Frankfurt board. And he outlined very articulately what the, the club's doing. And a lot of that actually 
was about what they're doing beyond German shores, you know, beyond um, Germany itself and in places like the United States with the, the Academy in Michigan. And I think it, a lot of things are happening in an exciting way for Eintracht Frankfurt. And it did probably help that they won the cup and did it in style last season. And that, I think, is the launch pad for quite a lot of good things going forward. Indeed. Um, you kind of touched there uh, your first time to the Waldstadion because uh, that it is the, that's a spiritual name, let's be honest. And I'm pretty <laughs> sure when it does, should uh, Eintracht get into the Champions League and when people will start referring to the stadium, I'm thinking that they'll revert back to the old name uh, because, I mean, for all Frankfurt fans, it is the Waldstadion. There's no... You can call it all the Commerce Bank Arena to be technically specific all you want. That's what it should be called, uh, in my opinion. Lovely stadium. Down, you know, walking through the trees uh, from the station platform to get to the stadium. Go back to not your first Bundesliga match. Eintracht Frankfurt versus, as you said, Bayern Urdigan. Uh, if I got that pronunciation correct, I'm sure I got close there. Yeah. <laughs> um, in that match yourself, take us back to the experience that you had all those years ago, back when the Valdezion was a much more open facility, one with a run track like many German uh, stadiums had at the time. Uh, if you want to look at stadiums from the 74 uh, World Cup and the 1988 European Championships, take us back a little bit uh, to your experience at the stadium uh, way back then when we were all younger men well it was a very different place and of course the stadium as you've said was open to the elements it was all terrace i mean that's what i remember just looking at this vast terracing and um the walk to the stadium was just as memorable you mentioned they're walking through the trees through the forest and i always say to people it's one of my favorite walks uh, in football before a game you get off the train and you make that walk and you sort of feel as though you're at one with, with everybody. That's the, everybody who's going to the game is, is doing that same thing. And, um, you know, you pass all the little uh, Wurst vendors and the places selling their beer and the souvenirs. And uh, it really is a, a communal experience in a very good way. Uh, but what I remember was that I was personally very excited because it was my first Bundesliga game. I was a young student uh, up the road a couple of hours in the northern part of Hessen, right on the border between the two Germanys, as was the case then between West and East Germany, and just jumped on the train for the day and took in that game. And um, the Bundesliga then wasn't the, the booming um, phenomenon that it is now. Um, only 11,500 attended that match, which I think would surprise a lot of people because Eintracht Frankfurt are, a, as we say here in Germany, a Traditionsmannschaft, a traditionally supported club uh, with a strong base, but you know, just a different time. And people didn't go to games in quite the, the numbers then that they do now. But it still is special to me when I think back. Uh, I can still remember the goals in that game. Uh, I can remember um, Frankfurt trailing early on, coming back to get a 1-1 draw. Thomas Berthold was probably the most prominent Frankfurt player of that time who was in the lineup that day. But um, the stadium now, of course, is very different. And what I would say is that anybody who goes there, and I actually heard a couple of people just behind me, a couple of Scottish voices, where I'm from, Scotland, <laughs> um, who, who, you know, Scottish fans tend to get around as well. 
And it was clearly their first time inside the stadium. So I was listening into their conversations and they were just wowed by the place. They just thought, this is incredible. What a view, you know, what a, what a spectacle here. Great football in front of us, sitting, drinking their beer, eating their bratwurst. You know, what's to complain about? Nothing to complain about at all, especially when the beer prices are at a, at a reasonable amount, as, as I would have to say, uh, compared to my own uh, local MLS side. Nothing against them, but uh, as American sports go. And Derek, you can uh, attest to this, having uh, spent quite a lot of time in the United States. Sometimes you want to get up, have a beer, instead of paying a couple euros and maybe getting a euro deposit back on your cup. Then you're looking at it, and you're like, having to... Hand over ten, and then not getting anything back except your, uh, except your beverage and uh, your item. Uh, it's a different experience entirely. It is, and I think it's something that everybody should experience if they can. Uh, and that's all part of the fun of it, you know. Is is doing it the German way? It's not acting as though you're in the US or you're you're in the UK or wherever you happen to be from, but embracing the German way and and, and doing it as. German fans do, and and I've always, you know, been beguiled by that. I've always been charmed by that, and just sort of blending in as, as one, as I said uh, in the previous answer. Indeed. Um, so, you've kind of hinted a little bit at the Bundesliga of old. Now that was at a time when uh, the wall still was up in Berlin, and they were still fencing around uh, old East Germany as well. Uh, and you look at the league, uh, now Leipzig being a lone exception, being from the old East, but have, doing it in a way that has not exactly been uh, been taken too kindly by the Bundesliga uh, purists that are out there. Um, as you look at, you know, uh, you, you at the Bundesliga, though, you can find uh, examples of teams who are still kicking around it once you drop down to the Zweite Liga and then into the Dritte Liga. And, of course, then you have the Regional Liga, which also has represented an entire region represented there. Um, the old East German clubs have not really been able to kind of keep with the modern uh, day world of football. Do you foresee someone possibly breaking through? I've got fingers crossed that Union Berlin currently in third place in the uh, Zweitliga can uh, uh, break that, but I would like to see some of the old uh, names. Our Magdeburg, Dresden, uh, Cottbus, and uh, of course Rostock. I'd like to see some of the traditional old names to join in uh, with the rest of the Bundesliga, make it kind of a more uh, well representation of all of Germany. Do you see that happening? Uh, is it something that you kind of wished was a little bit more kind of prevalent that it wasn't so obviously, you know, the old West uh, Germany with uh, the lone exception in Leipzig? Well, first of all, on Leipzig, I don't complain about their presence in the Bundesliga the way a lot of, you used the word, purists earlier do. Um, and I say that because having been there many times now, uh, I find that they are part of the, the fabric now. And I think that the league is better for the presence of Leipzig. Now, we can all get into opinions and discussions about how that was done, about buying the, the rights, essentially, of a fifth-tier team in Machanstedt, and, uh, you know, then thanks to bankrolling, seeing them very quickly move up the divisions. I, I would rather that the East is represented. And if this is the way that, that Zaxxon uh, is represented in the Bundesliga, then so be it. I'm quite happy with that. Now, 
you mentioned the the old Eastern teams. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a nerd, full stop. Anyway, to be honest, Brian. But when it comes <laughs> to my German football, I'm a real nerd because I love to go to uh, Regionalliga Ost, uh, not Ost games, um, the, the Northeast Regional League, and um, you know places like Babelsberg. Had a wonderful time there last year. And you, you mentioned you've got these uh, teams that were top division sides in the Oberliga, as it was in the the day air days. And many of them find it a struggle now. And um, it, it is a struggle for them to sort of keep up with the, the standards being set by sides in the West. And it would be great to think that a team might pop up. I mean, I was at Dinamo Dresden last year. Uh, what an atmosphere there, by the way. I always say to people, you know, if you want an atmosphere, a second division team, go to Dinamo Dresden. That's absolutely wonderful. Uh, but whether they can actually make that big leap, that's the question. Union is an interesting one because you know, in the East German days, they weren't necessarily the, the team that represented success. But now they've sort of come through and they've got a bit of a cult following. And I know a lot of fans from other countries yearn to go to, um, to games in Copenhagen. Uh, where again the atmosphere is so special, and uh, not sure what it is about forests, but they've got a forest <laughs> stadium as well, similar to Eintracht Frankfurt. Something about the forest. But uh, no, uh, the short answer is uh, yes. I would like to see the East better represented. Uh, at the same time, it is a meritocracy, but Germany has always done decentralisation better than most countries. So the fact that Leipzig are there, I actually find it refreshing, and I think they have been a boon in the Bundesliga. Indeed, I think the long term it will help the Bundesliga because I think that once, because uh, I anticipate that they will qualify once again for the Champions League, and I think that they really wanted to make a good fist of it, uh, but they just shoot, they just uh, missed out on getting second place last season, and made a deep run into the Europa League uh, uh, afterwards, and I think that they will uh, should. Should uh, present position be sustained, uh, I think that they'll make a good run at the Champions League. And they do seem to have a good mindset of using that money that they didn't have to bring in young, exciting talent as opposed to, you know, uh, mid-age established stars to try and to build up that team. And I think that there's something that can be appreciated uh, with that kind of model. Uh, that is out there. Uh, so we've kind of talked a little bit about the Bundesliga, Zweite Bundesliga, a little bit of your love of even the Regional Liga. Uh, if I might pose this question to you, then um, the Dritte Liga did adapt, uh, change their three uh, relegation spots to four to uh, bring in more teams from the Regional Liga, but still the Regional Liga format has not been, you know. Uh, they haven't mo- modified it, despite the fact that the the Dritte Liga, which has really been developing quite a lot in really the decade that it has been a nationalized third division. What do you see kind of as the changes between uh, promotion and relegation between the third and the regionalized fourth division uh, that will be able to help uh, the broader German soccer landscape? I'm not sure there's an easy answer to that one. Uh, I think the introduction <laughs> of the yeah the, the introduction of the Dritte Liga uh, has been a big positive. I think that was needed, and you know that standardisation was important. 
but you know how you get from a Regionalliga position and then sort of dream of making it all the way. I mean, you can do it. You know, look at the examples from the last few years of teams who who have been in the Regionalliga and then all of a sudden the next time you look, they're they're in the the Zweite Bundesliga and pushing for promotion to the the top flight. Um, but I think that it's difficult. I mean. To give you another personal example, um, Eintracht Frankfurt was the first Bundesliga game I ever uh, attended. Frankfurt, Erdogan, as we mentioned earlier. But the first Zweite Liga game that I went to was just around that same time in 1985. And the local team then, Hessen Kassel, uh, were a second division side, really on the cusp of promotion. Certainly looked as though uh, they were going to be a, a top division team, but it never happened. I had a number of near misses and just couldn't quite get over the line. And then after that, they just, you know, fell all the way down and, uh, you know, ended up going uh, into bankruptcy and having no end of financial problems and just falling down the ladder. And they're still around, but, you know, there's certainly no evidence that they're going to be uh, making it into the the, uh, the Zweite Bundesliga or even the, the Dritte Liga anytime soon. So, um what I would say, though, is that I do find that there's a certain charm in the geographical nature of all these leagues, because it's a far cry from uh, from what happens really in most other countries. You've got to go well down into the non-leagues before you find that sort of thing in England. And I rather like when I come here to Germany, being able to base myself in, in the Berlin area and go to a number of, as I said, Regionalliga Nord-Ost matches. Same when I'm, uh, which is usually the case over on the, the, the western side, over in Köln. And uh, in a good number of Regionalliga West sides to go and see there. I know it's not everybody's cup of tea. A lot of people say, you know, you're in Germany and you want to go and watch <laughs> fourth and, and fifth tier football. But I just find that you really... Um, get the essence of the, the, the people of the country and its footballing culture by doing things like that. And I also find the the uh, Verbans Pokals, all the regional cup championships, I always find uh, those to be highly interesting once you get into the semifinals and finals because then, mm. you know, you have your little guys who then, hey, guess what? We may not be playing in the Bundesliga next year. We may not be playing at the Dritte Liga because we finish in uh, whichever place uh, in Regional Liga Bayern, or whether you're uh, Schweinfurt or uh, Beirut or, you know, uh, Ulm, uh, to be very blunt for any Eintracht <laughs> yes. fans listening. <laughs> There's, there's, some, I think that there's some, there's a romance that kind of comes with the DFA Pokal that the Vavans Pokal, the regional championships are able to give that team, you know, their moment in the sun and know that, hey, guess what, you're gonna face up against one of the big teams on a Saturday instead of the uh, Tuesday Wednesday uh, action that you get from the second round onwards to the stopping at the semifinals before you have uh, the penultimate uh, final. Um, what what experience have you had with uh, the Verbans Pokal and uh, how uh, as as a Brit who uh, has seen so many great examples of cup runs in the in the Scottish Cup, the Scottish League Cup, and of course uh, a little bit for the South, uh, the English League Cup and the English FA Cup, which are all held in very high prestige, uh, prestige due to their long long histories. What are a couple? Do you have a good example of one that uh, stands in mind, the Verbans Pokal, that you then had a small team that actually got to uh, have their glory day in the sun? 
Well, it's one thing that I will say is missing from my uh, experiences list. I've never seen a a Verbandspokal final at all. Um, But what I have seen is the first round of the day of Bepokal and all these winners of the various um, uh, Verbands Cups have um, have their day in the spotlight. And, and I think it's one of the best things about the German Cup is the very first round. And I say that because the Bundesliga teams, second division teams, they're not really properly in gear at that stage. And then they've got to go to these difficult venues. And you mentioned Eintracht Frankfurt having to go to SSV Ulm, which is a team with, uh, no, I'm not going to say a rich pass, but a team that... Uh, has had moments of um, success in the past uh, against greater opposition. And this certainly was one of their greatest moments against mm-hmm. Antoine Frankfurt. And, uh, you know, you, you think of all the uh, the teams having to go to these venues. And uh, I, I think it's due reward for the uh, for, for Vance Pokal success to be able to get into the German Cup like that. And I think it's shorter and sharper. I've said to a lot of people on social media this season that this is not just the... Uh, the Germanophile in, in me talking. Um, I genuinely think the German Cup is a better cup competition than the FA Cup or the Scottish Cup now um, because of the way it's organised, because there are no replays, because of the home advantage factor with the small team, uh, because you know that every round is going to count. It doesn't drag on uh, there are no replays on, on nights and people are asking the question, why is there a replay on tonight and why is it on television or why is it not on television? You know what you're getting with the day of Bepo Kyle. And of course, it all works its way eventually to the big final in Berlin. Everybody gravitates to that. The whole nation watches it. I, I really think that it's an example of, of a, a well-run cup competition. And uh, underpinning its success is what you've mentioned, the Verbandspokal factor and the local reward factor and all of that. So let's talk about the Bundesliga itself. Uh, Eintracht getting knocked out by Ulm. And hey, good credit to them because I'm pretty sure most of their fans will remember the last time that Eintracht played them in the Bundesliga back in the early noughties and how... Uh, Eintracht assisted in their relegation. Well, uh, they got one up on us, but uh, I won't. I will not. Uh, I will not give that to them because it was a necessary time in Eintracht season where there were still a team under development and we're reaping the rewards at this moment in time. We've been uh, in previous seasons, Derek. We've had some. Uh, Non-title races in the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich currently sitting on six straight titles. Um, It's been a long time since someone has given them a proper fight. And it seems like we have one, despite uh, Bruce Dortmund's uh, recent slippings in uh, the last, um, I would say, month and a half. Really since, honestly, uh, Eintracht faced uh, Dortmund in uh, Frankfurt, the one-one draw that was there. Since then... Bruce Dortmund's been dropping points like nobody's business. Do you foresee now that each team is no longer in uh, no longer in the Champions League, Bayern still is in the Pokal, uh, which will be resuming once we get back from our international break. Um, do you see this title fight coming down to the very end? Because I, as a Frankfurt fan, guess what? We play Bayern in Munich the last match day of the year. And right before that is Leipzig. So a kind of big one-two punch for Bayern to kind of, as the prize fighter, to kind of take on right before the bell rings. 
do you where do you foresee our title going and will the, is this current title fight sustainable well it's interesting Bayern of course were knocked out of the Champions League just last week and one of the first things I thought upon seeing that and it was a poor Bayern performance was that it probably helps them in the race for the Meisterschale uh, the fact that they don't have to worry about the Champions League anymore as you said they still got to worry about the Pokal but I think that looks after itself from their point of view. Uh, I have been flashing forward to the last couple of weeks like you and thought a lot about this, uh, about Bayern having to go to Leipzig, and that's not going to be easy, and Leipzig might well at that stage be right there with the likes of Frankfurt to try to nail down a a Champions League place for next season, Uh, and then Frankfurt on the last day. But Borussia Dortmund don't have it easy either. They've got to go to Borussia Mönchengladbach, on the last day. I'm not sure I'd want to go there needing a victory to secure the title or anything like that. And of course, before that, they play each other quite soon now on the 6th of April uh, in uh, the top spiel slot, the, the late slot on the Saturday. That'll and be shown by a big fox to... on my dad, too. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it's great news for all Bundesliga fans that that's going to be on big fox. And um, yeah, Bayern, of course, have home advantage. It's at the Allianz Arena. So, uh, you know, how do you call this? I think the ease with which Bayern are winning their games now is a bit ominous. It's a bit worrying if you're a Dortmund fan. But what I would say is that uh, their weekend win, uh, we're talking just a couple of days after it in Berlin against Hertha, told me a lot about Borussia Dortmund and their character, their desire, just when many people were questioning them. And yeah, they did it the hard way. You know, they had to rely on that very late goal from Marco Reus. But they got three points and they are still level on points with Bayern. Although I do think on experience, on just having won the title, as you said, six times in a row, all these things, quality of squad, you've still got to make Bayern favourites. Uh, well, we, we, can o- we can only hope that uh, a new champion can be crowned. I still look at the fact that there's four team points gap between Eintracht and the top teams, and I'm like, well, we can aim for the Champions League spots because uh, I think the title might be just out of our reach. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, Derek, it's been great talking with you. One thing I'd kind of like to ask you as a commentator who worked in many different facets uh, covering the Bundesliga again, covering other other leagues besides what do you say to you know your average soccer fan that you might meet in the united states in the united kingdom or just all around in europe what do you think draws people to the bundesliga uh, so much and what is the most one of one of the most appealing aspects that kind of hooks in uh, a soccer fan into the bundesliga well, I sort of start this um, the opposite way round uh, from what a TV commentator would normally tell someone. And, and what I mean by that is the first thing for me is the Bundesliga is the best league in the world to attend. And I make no apology for saying that. Uh, you know, people say, well, you, you know, you cover the Premier League as well and you cover the Champions League. And I say, yeah, I do all of that. But um, it would be remiss of me to say that the experience in the stadium is better in England than it is in Germany. It's not. That's just my opinion. Um, You know, I can't say that's a fact, but my opinion is it's not even close. So that's the starting point. And I think that it's obviously difficult for somebody living in the US. It's a, 
a very long way to Germany and, you know, quite a costly um, experience as well to, to have to do that. Um, but the experience of going to a game in Germany is unlike that of anywhere else, in my opinion. So um, if you do that and if you win somebody over on that front, then I think you are well on your way to, um, to, to, to finding new fans for the league. But I do think even on TV, it comes across. I think people say that. People will, will tell you that a lot uh, when they watch a Bundesliga game. They'll say the fans are just electric and uh, you know they seem to be really passionate and you can almost feel that at home. So I think that's a big part of it. it there is no, to use the, the phrase that Roy Keane used many years ago, there's no prawn sandwich culture uh, in German venues, uh, you know, there's a Bratwurst and beer culture, uh, and that's what we love about it. You know, it, it's um, it's an honest football culture, and that's what people go for. They go to to see their friends, they go to watch football, to have this communal experience, all with a German flavour, and that's personally why I, I find it irresistible, and and it's why I fell in love with it back in 1985, and I'm never going to fall out of love with it. Now, I would like to also kind of keep with a non-enforced theme in that Brian Clough once said, football players are prawn sandwiches. I know what I choose, and I choose football <laughs> all the time. <laughs> well, Brian Clough uh, didn't get too many things wrong over the years. Uh, indeed, indeed. Uh, Derek, it's been a real privilege to have been able to speak with you on uh, the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast. Uh, please let our listeners know where they can follow you in the social media landscape so as to continue with great conversations with Derek. Absolutely. Yeah, very happy to hear from anyone, particularly Eintracht Frankfurt fans, who I'm sure uh, listen to this podcast regularly. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Raycom. That's uh, R-A-E-C-O-M-M. And are there any uh, special projects that you are involved in that you would like to uh, direct people's attention to as well? Uh, well, other than the Bundesliga, which is, as I said, a real labor of love, uh, world feed commentaries that I do for the league itself. Uh, I've got Hoffenheim against Leverkusen coming up a week on Friday and then uh, Leipzig Hertha. So I'm, I'm here in Germany for the next couple of weeks. Um, but uh, the other thing that's taken up a lot of my time uh, in a good way this last year is the uh, the FIFA 19 um, EA Sports video game. So I'm the, the main commentator on the Champions League and Europa League for that. So I always enjoy hearing from people who've played the game and have found that the commentary matches their expectations. So, um, so yeah, I, I'd have to give a lot of mention to that as well. Uh, and uh, But yeah, really happy to hear from anybody on any subject. Great, great. Thank you very much, Derek, for joining us at Hey Eintracht Frankfurt, and uh, best of luck with uh, everything in the coming year. Thank you, Brian, and all the best to you. Hey,